welcome to We're Not Wizards. We are the best, but not wizards. Enjoy the show! Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for July. It's July. It's not even sunny outside. I'm absolutely just devastated with the whole thing. I mean, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to stay inside and just, you know, maybe watch some TV or play some board games or maybe listen to some music. Music always sounds good, it kind of heightens your mood, it makes you happy, it makes you sad, makes you kind of feel jubilant to the point where you even stand up and enjoy the music so much you're going to give it an ovation. So if I'm going to be talking about music and I'm going to be talking about ovations, then there's only one person I can speak to, especially in the form of a board game. So, joining me, I've got Kirsten Lund. They are from Looking Glass Workshop and they currently have Ovation, which is on Kickstarter just now. And we're going to have a chat about it, basically, aren't we? Hello, Kirsten. Hi, how are you doing? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of second star from writing straight until morning oh, at the moment. Neverland. No, not like that. What Michael Jackson? We can uh, no, 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 that's the wrong, that's the wrong place. To, oh, you're taking, place? you're taking me somewhere, Anakin, I can't follow. Um, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to the show. Thank you for, um, kind of joining us. Um, I'd like to point out the first, the first shock that I had was when, um, Kirsten started talking because we had arranged this and it was like, I'm in New Zealand. So I had expected a kind of a New Zealand accent and then no, I got, some, I got some West Coast music maker, drop, popping up on my podcast feed, isn't that right? So my first question is right. Yeah. If you're kind of like got this kind of subdiffuse about where you're from and stuff like that, how can we trust you to make a board game? <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um. <laughs> But are you well, first of all? Oh, yes, definitely. It's um, a cold, wintry day here. I know it's quite hot in the Northern Hemisphere, but mm-hmm. uh, we do everything very differently here. <laughs> so it's uh, it's cold and brisk and uh, and early in my morning because of our big time difference. We're about yes. as far apart as we can get. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing good. I'm caffeinated and ready to be silly. <laughs> I think we're at, I think we're at the point that if either of us stepped like one step to the left or the right, we would potentially decrease or increase the t- kind of the time the time difference between us because it's all <laughs> a kind of a different it's a different kind of it's a different kind of thing. Um, when we get somebody on the show that hasn't been on the show before, we like to find out a little bit of background about how they tick, how they talk. Not how they TikTok though, because we're not twelve. Um, <laughs> Good, because I don't TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Who does TikTok? Is it just about to ban it? Everybody's threading now. 
which I don't know what that means. As far as I was aware, there's like, I, uh, that's eyebrows. So, I mean, I've seen Mark Zuckerberg's eyebrows brows recently. He's obviously been threading because they're on, they're fleek. <laughs> they're on <laughs> <And> they're, fleek? <laughs> they're on fleek and they're on Are you sure you're not point. on TikTok? No. It's, it's, it's getting red. No, old. come on. On fleek I've got to, Is it? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. What so, do I know? I'm old. <laughs> what are the kids? What are the kids using nowadays? Then I don't, threads, apparently. I don't know. threads, apparently. I don't, I don't know. know. I kind of looked what to look at. I looked at the thing, and I was like, "So I better jump on in case somebody else steals. <laughs> somebody else steals the we're not wizards name." And I'm just like, nobody is ever gonna steal the we're not wizards name. Ever, you're quite, you're quite safe. But it's connected apparently to your Instagram account, so it's all fine. Anyway, what I was going to say, right? <laughs> but we digress. We do. This is this is it. You, I mean, you said yes. At the end of the day. <laughs> In fact, let's be honest here, right? You sent me an email. Asking to be on the show. So if anything happens, like Thunderbirds in the next half hour, then it's entirely your fault. Um, no regrets. Let's, what we like to do is, we, what we, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it's quite late for me and um, I should be sleeping. But anyway, um, no, I'm not that old. What we like to do in the show is we like to have a little look back at the past before we look at the orchestral ensemble of the present and then look forward to the positive music reviews in the future. So, I want to know a little bit about yourself, to be honest, to be fine. My, my, my philosophy and my view on this is you find out about the person and it can tell a lot more about the game than actually standing here and explaining the game for the next kind of how long. So, um... Are you, were you from a small family, large family? I mean, were you, were you, <laughs> were you in California born and raised in the <clears throat> playground where you spent most of your days? Um, I technically uh, was born in Oregon. Okay. So, but I lived most of my life. I don't remember Oregon. I was, I was too tiny. <clears throat> so definitely California um, raised at least. Mm-hmm. Uh Myself, I'm an only child, so should we take a moment so we can go? Hmm, what does that say? <laughs> I don't. I don't think, think it says. Spoiled. I think nowadays <laughs> it says you've got you had really sensible parents that you know wanted to have, um, wanted to have money, um, you know. <laughs> What it's is like, to feed them all? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, exactly. It's like nowadays somebody goes, "We're not having children," and I'm just like, "Yeah, well done." I mean, you know, right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> It's not like they're getting on telly and going, quick, we need to help populate the earth. Please, everybody have some more children. If somebody says to me, oh, we're just stopping at one child, it's like, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I've seen, I've seen, I mean, my uh, my youngest is, he's approaching kind of going to high school age and I remember the price of childcare. So it's like anybody that says, I'm just having one child, I'm like, I'm, you know, that's completely, completely fine. Um, obviously, you can spoil them to death if it's just kind of like a singular... Child. But okay, so here's the question, bringing in kind of child psychology, as an only child then, was at some points, because I can't imagine a parent kind of spending every single second of every single day with their kids or with their child, 
was there points where you had to entertain yourself from an imagination point of view? I mean, if you went to if you went into your room when you were younger, were would you be likely to be found kind of uh, lying on the bedroom floor with a pad of pad paper, coloring pencils, and doing some creative stuff to kind of amuse yourself and things like that when you were kind of like growing up? Um, I was never a visual artist, so I didn't necessarily. I mean, if I did pad and paper, it was. Uh, I mean, paper and pencil, it was um, writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely would write. Um, All right, okay. I fancied myself uh, a future playwright uh, at some point, <laughs> even though that didn't right, come, okay. come to be. Um, yeah, and then I did have lots of time where I was a latchkey kid. I don't even know if people use the term anymore. But um, after, once I got to a certain age after school, I'd just go home and I was by myself for hours. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I'm wondering if I should even say this in case my dad listens. But, but my dad had a fancy <laughs> stereo system and I was not to touch it. Um, but I, I never got caught because I was very, very careful. And I did. I listened to albums, LPs, wow. uh, records, okay. if anyone remembers right. those. Um, dating myself. Um, No, no, but but on the other side of it, I mean, my my middle boy, he's got himself a set of turntables and he, and you know, you now go, I mean, record shops kind of disappeared, I think, for about 10, 10 years. They weren't any kind of main, like mainstream. But if I go back into kind of like the, there was an original record store over here called HMV and then they used to sell vinyl all the time and I remember going into there and buy, picking up kind of um, picking up vinyl albums at the time and then vinyl all just disappeared because you got kind of like the advent of you got your CDs coming in and everybody loved the quality and then it eventually went as obviously we're in mp3 territory mm-hmm. but I think nowadays people you know my son goes out and he picks up kind of vinyl all the time to play in his record player and his view of it is the reason that he goes and buys an album is because he knows that some of the money is going back to the artist instead of it going to kind of Spotify. So did you, with you listening to your dad's kind of music collection, is there particular, is there particular kind of music memories that come back? Is, I mean, is there particular albums that you associate being in your kind of your father's record collection that you would play again and again? Oh, uh, definitely. I mean, I'm really going to date myself a lot. Uh, That's fine. I, <laughs> I was able to sing all the way through The Gambler, Kenny Rogers, uh, with right, a friend okay. in elementary school. Um, we, would, all right. <laughs> we would sing all the way through The Gambler together at breaks. Um, <laughs> I would listen to Beatles albums. We had um, Rubber Soul. Uh, we had um, definitely... Uh, Sergeant Peppers, that was a big one. I mean, I remember that from the time I was five, so I would continue listening to that one. Um, that was the album cover opened, and I would put it around my oatmeal before going to kindergarten. <laughs> 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 and, and there I had the, the, the Fab Four and my oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it wasn't that old then <laughs> when I was five. So, uh, yeah, there and definitely he had a lot of classical music in the collection. Now I didn't, I didn't sneak and listen to those because he he would blast that um, all the time in my life. Really? So I had, I had classical. Yeah, and so he he did later get into some more like Billy Joel and um, I Sam Cooke uh, was a throwback. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I used yeah. to listen to Sam Cooke a lot. Um, so <laughs> he would listen to some more modern stuff, I guess. Uh, Billy Joel was more modern at the time. Uh, now he's a throwback to you, but... Um, <laughs> You just but, give it time, and they all beca- they all come back, and they all come back in a fashion. I mean, mine yeah. was my uh, my mum was a big fan of the monkeys. Oh, I loved the monkeys. The monkeys <laughs> were just like because people don't. I think they were kind of credited with being one of the first kind of um, openly kind of manufactured pop bands. I think beforehand, yeah. record companies had kind of. Record companies had kind of come together and they'd created bands and they'd created groups and stuff like that, you know, Motown and stuff like that. I think, you know, they, they kind of, they, they knew there was a sound and they just needed to get the kind of the singers together. But it was never kind of like, a, we're officially made this band. And I think the Monkees, they just came out and said, yeah, we're, we've, we've got a product. It's these four guys. We're, uh, we're going to package them together and we're going to put them out there and we're going to put on the, uh, the TV show. Because I remember growing up, right, and children's telly wasn't like it was just like it is now where you've got a specific channel mm-hmm. for children's TV. They're, I mean, kids nowadays don't know they're born. Um, but at the time, it used to be like Sunday mornings. You'd wake up, you'd have your breakfast, and you'd put on like there'd be an episode, one or two episodes of The Monkees to watch. And it was just, it was absolutely strange because I grew <laughs> This is true. I grew up thinking the monkeys were some kind of comedy group, and oh, then yeah. they just happened to sing on the side. It wasn't until I found my mum's kind of record collection, and she was a huge fan. Was it? Um, was this? Was it? Um, Peter Tork, I think. Peter Tork anyway, was she was a monkey. He, <laughs> yeah, she was, he was a huge. She she thought he was like amazing and stuff like that. And it wasn't until later on when I was like discovered that they were like making. They were like a band that was actually making music it was kind of like a strange a strange kind of a strange kind of time so yeah i was a davy jones girl and then with my little my two youngest um he did yeah. a recording of a song my personal penguin it goes with a right. Sandra boynton book um yeah. oh gosh that that song is such a it's such a staple with my kids. We used to sing it to each other all the time. I want to be your personal penguin. I want to travel with you far and wide. It's really cute. But it was Davy Jones who recorded it, so it was it was doubly special. To oh, me. that was the, they used to just like they had one joke about him, and it was the fact he was no, they had two jokes. The fact that one of him he was like English, mm-hmm. and the second one was the fact that he was short. So yeah. they always used to say like, "Stand up! Why don't you stand up, Davy?" And he always used to say, "But I am standing." Yeah. kind of thing and that was the same joke and it was guaranteed every single episode there was one thing about he couldn't reach like the coat hook where they were keeping the, the coats or something like that or some you know or Mike's, Mike Nesmith had put him up onto like a high shelf which he couldn't get down from um, but I'm short I mean, and I'm an Anglophile so of course I love Davy well, there you I go there you go. there you go there you go um yeah so welcome to we're not monkeys um where we dissect <laughs> hey, the, the tunes of the manufacturer the, the tunes of the manufactured era of the monkeys music from 1919 19, was it 1960 odd it must have been 68 they were kind of like the they were kind of like late. really trying to take over the beatles but it was late yeah excellent stuff um when did you with you being an only, only child then, where's the board game kind of stuff kind of going on? 
When did oh. you kind of click into that type of thing? Well, I played card games with my mom as long as I can remember. I, I think we mm. played Go Fish and Crazy Eights and stuff like that just with a deck of cards. Um, mm. And then graduated into cribbage. And um, we'd play Honeymoon Bridge because there was just the two of us playing bridge. But there's a way you can play bridge with two called Honeymoon Bridge. Uh, so I definitely did card games a lot first. And then uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> then we but we did play board games. Um, <laughs> I just mentioned it to somebody recently. I'm dating myself again because we had a, I had a bunch of roll and moves. I had the, the Muppets, the board game. I had Happy Days, <laughs> the board game. <laughs> <Happy> <laughs> I had a Star Wars like roll and move board game too. It's, I had I, now. That. I wish I now. I wish I kept that one because everybody gets that. They're, they're kind of worse. Is that not the? <laughs> is that the one where you actually fly around a kind of a a board to get to the Death Star to destroy it? Because I remember there was like millions of different kind of Star Wars board and board games. Board games. I think at the time. this one was before that. I think this because I saw it in the movie theater, so it was. It was early on, and I feel like there were little standees. That's what they all had. Mm-hmm. They had little standees. Oh, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. No, maybe it was. Maybe it was the same. Ah, right, we've got to find this out. Right, okay, okay, let me just see. Right. Are we Googling? <laughs> we are. We are going to Google. And you guys, you're just going to have to wait, because like, this is one of these things, <laughs> if important. I don't find out, if I don't find out what this board game is, then I'm going to go crazy. I'm pretty sure it was Kenner that made it. Oh, probably was. Oh, I found it. Escape from the Death Star. Maybe it was. Oh, Star Wars Vintage Games for Sale. I don't think they actually had. There's Escape from the Death Star, which was 1977. Oh, that might have been And I'm pretty sure... No, it was a different... Oh, no, maybe it was. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. I think I've actually... I think (laughs) I've actually found... I don't care... You know, I I just I like the fact that that like yeah I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I actually had this game, and you had to escape the trash compactor and go to the different levels, and you had a little R two D two spinner, and yeah, yeah, looks yeah, disappointing. So I'll be honest with you, Kirsten. It looks dis. <laughs> you know, you see an old game, and you go, "This is amazing." It's like I always ho- I always go back to this, which is like. Um, Escape from Atlantis and the original plastic version of Escape from Atlantis is far superior than anything that a uh, that anything that's kind of like uh, that is available just now because it's like completely um, the stuff that's now is just um, is all kind of cardboard tiles and stuff like that. And my dog wrecked my current copy of Escape from Atlantis because he somebody dropped a cardboard tile on the floor and he thought I'm having that and uh, so he did so he got it anyway um so you're playing kind of those kind of games with your with your mum yep in terms of then on an education side of things was there what did you end up doing what what were you kind of your strengths? You mentioned writing, so was English quite a kind of a was something that you focused on when you were at school and high school and the likes? Um, yes, probably. I did enjoy theater. I think one of my most satisfying <clears throat> times when I got to be a teenager and was too cool, you know, <laughs> just oh, <laughs> I don't want to be singled out. Um, we were reading Shakespeare out loud, and a friend poked me. I didn't want to volunteer, even though I love Shakespeare. And he poked mm-hmm. me and he was like, volunteer to read. And I said, why? Because <laughs> I was a teenager. Why? 
you know and he said <laughs> and he said because when you read it i understand it and so i went oh wow and i raised my hand immediately because because uh i just loved um theater and and reading and stuff like that so yeah that was probably my strength um i did okay in maths up until uh up until trigonometry trigonometry i don't remember anything don't ask me <laughs> that was where my maths just sort of ended and and i did I just, but i did okay yeah. it just wasn't something my son loves math and i'm like i you must get that from your dad because i didn't love math <laughs> um, so that's a, a struggle point for me as a designer sometimes is the balancing and and mathing it out but thank goodness for excel because it can math for me <laughs> I could just, I could just color columns in red and just forget about it. That's as far as my expertise goes with Excel. To be perfectly honest, it's like I see, like, you occasionally see, and I always laugh at this job adverts that say must have a proficiency of Excel, and you're just like, what do you mean? <laughs> when you're talking about, look. You give me a table, if you want that data sorted in alphabetical order, I'm your man. If you're talking about, like, macros, you know, and kind of, like, um, anything else, formulas, you know, I can maybe do, like, a count formula. I can change, I can, I can change, I can change barcodes into 16-digit numbers and not have them do that horrible five digits then plus E or whatever. I can do that, but don't ask me to be doing... You know, virtual lookups, view lookups yeah, and stuff. Shut up, lookup. get out. Get, no, get out. Go away. <laughs> I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. So where did where did you go? Where, what did you end up doing kind of academically? Did you leave high school and go into employment? Or then did you go to college and get another bit of paper? Um, I did a bit of a mix. Uh, I got out of high school early because I was, like I said, I was just too cool for school. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, just was not happy in school. Um, so I got out a bit early. I started junior college, but, um, also working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and I was doing theater and then, um, and then I had my oldest kiddo. So mm-hmm. that kind of changed the trajectory trajectory completely. Um, my oldest daughter, Ariel, she's, um, she's, amazing and she's living in Virginia and and doing great but it's it was like oh college kind of stopped at that point and um and became about taking care of this kiddo Um, wow yeah so were you what were you were you kind of by yourself at that point were you were you then responsible for Ariel by yourself your parents kind of backing you up and stuff for that because that's that's a big that's a baptism of fire I mean, people going like, <laughs> yeah. and I got my first, I got my first job. It's like, I'm literally having to make sure that life in the basket over there doesn't die. <laughs> so yeah. you can go, you can go back to you asking people if they want salt on their fries, but you know, I've got kind of other things to do. Um, that must've been a challenging time then. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, Ariel's dad joined the air force, mm-hmm. um, and so, and we were young, very young. I got married very yeah. young. And he joined the Air Force and uh, came back from basic training. And by then we were kind of already becoming different people. Uh, yeah. And uh, he ended up getting stationed in England. Wow. And um, and we, we had split up 
and mm-hmm. I, I felt that was a really great opportunity for Ariel. So I didn't want to interfere with her uh, opportunity to live somewhere yeah. like that. And so, uh, so I let her go with her dad for a time mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so yeah, that was, and that was tough. That was really tough um, to do, but it was so such a good experience for her. So I did have that struggle um, for a while, and then I had a different kind of struggle while she was gone. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, we would do uh, my my favorite time, of course, was when she'd come home in the summer. And what we would do was we would celebrate all the holidays that we'd missed together. <laughs> mm. So we'd have we'd have an Easter and we'd have a, a dress up like a Halloween kind of thing. One of my favorites wow. was our our Winnie the Pooh party where um, we were, that was our Halloween. We dressed up and we had honey honey themed everything. And I was Winnie the Pooh. And she was she was Piglet. <laughs> <laughs> it was just stupid fun. <laughs> Did you go about the streets? dressed up as Winnie the because that would have been amazing if it had been like July and you were just going about like knocking on people's doors going, <laughs> just asking them you know I'm looking for a little bit of candy here <laughs> um you know you that would have been a, that would have been amazing I would have given you like you know candy and stuff just if you just turned up and just went you know in the middle of July trick or treat <laughs> and it's like what are that you meant to be? Amazing. That would have been that would have been a time, and you would have gone yeah. down in history, and then you would have had to leave the town because that's what. <laughs> that's what that would have been. New, a new town every year, so we could <laughs> just well, you could do that, and then you would go down and let, you know folklore, <laughs> legend tells of a, of a of a Winnie the Pooh cosplay that goes from town to town, and round about July. Knocks on people's doors and ask for candy, and then they would eventually turn it. They would eventually turn it into a holiday because if you do something like that enough, then people eventually go. Do you know what? Let's just celebrate it anyway. You know, let's just have a let's just have a day. Let's have a poo day. Um, there's probably Such other a days already. Opportunity. <laughs> it's just like missed it out. Everybody loves Winnie the Pooh. I don't oh, know of anybody reason. that goes. I can't be bothered with that bear. He's a bit greedy, um, you know. <clears throat> so no rabbit. On the other hand, I don't know. Not everybody's a rabbit fan, but I but think everybody everybody wants to be poo, but they're actually everybody's a little this bit rabbit. rabbit. Yeah, I think so. You know, everybody's just like, everybody's just like flipping tables and going to hell with this. <laughs> don't. <laughs> kind of nonsense and just throwing stuff again about so you know that's what we'd like to be poo i mean some of us get eeyore yeah i'm a monday i'm a monday morning eeyore you know kind of thing and i'm not gonna do that i used to do the impressions of the different characters and stuff like that for really um yeah you know the winnie the pooh one where he's like um the the kind of the the walt disney doing the series the one where he gets stuck in rabbit's house Yes, yes. And he gets his, he gets his, he gets himself stuck. Yeah. And he's got Christopher Robin, and it's just the, it's just the one where he's, he's pretending to be a, a rain cloud. Yes, and yes. it's just I don't know where we're going with this, but guys, come on, it's nostalgia. Come on, you know, it's, it is. It's, it's just like he's standing there and going, and what are you supposed to be? I'm a little black rain cloud, <laughs> and um, he does the song, um. So, and doesn't Christopher Robin have to walk around and go tut, tut, 
cut looks like because yeah, exactly. I do that all the time. <laughs> exactly. I know. Like Never mind. <laughs> um. So anyway, right. So where where do you go then in terms of the board game design stuff? I mean, we're twenty nine minutes in. We might as well start talking about the reason that you're here in the first place. And I always do this. I always do this. How do you get, right? Because, and I'm just going to say something here, okay? You don't get somebody like Shem Phillips like saying, here's a quote for your campaign. And, I mean, Garp Hill Games have gone from being, you know, relatively unknown to being like a staple part of the calendar. I mean, they're they're now they're now on their they're now on their next part of their kind of their compass games. Mm-hmm. So to get to get like a quote from them, obviously you've got a quote from Dan Hughes as well, but that doesn't you know that. <laughs> hey, he's a that doesn't ca- <laughs> Yes, he's, <laughs> I'm not paying those prices. Um, but how do you get around? What what kind of inspired you? What kind of got you to say right? I'm gonna got a piece of paper. I've got some. I've got some pieces of paper, I've got a pen, I've got some dice, I've got some cubes, I'm going to go ahead and make something. What made you decide to kind of sit down and and kind of actually put a game together? Because I always look at people's history on Kickstarter and you see a lot of people, they've kind of like, this is my campaign, this is the first time they've created a campaign and they've also backed no ca- no no kind of other Kickstarter campaigns, but you've backed kind of like a reasonable amount of other kind of Kickstarter games on there. So, but what kind of first got you to kind of go down the rabbit hole and think, you know, I can actually do this. I can put together something and kind of almost almost kind of put it out there. Well, there's definitely a lot in between. So I didn't just play those roll and move games just to just to uh, yeah. make make sure you're forewarned that I didn't didn't go from that to <laughs> I'm going to design a game. Uh, so we no. did get into the modern hobby or more modern games. Um, I'd say that Forbidden Island was the gateway for my husband and I. So we we right. played games together, uh, more modern board games, and then we have our son um, Riley, and he uh, started school traditional school but uh but there were some issues and concerns so i started homeschooling him for a while and mm-hmm. and that was a, a wonderful excuse to play games <laughs> so we anytime anytime we had a lesson i would look for games to play like we got um eight seven eight vikings when we studied vikings because why not you know it's a great historical game and it and it was a fun way to reinforce some of our lessons and look at the map and you know um just just have some fun and get him encouraged to I've delve into the heard, history heard some excuses in my time <laughs> but i'm buying bo- i'm buying board games to educate my kids is the most genius idea <laughs> i have ever heard and, oh, it's and great. this and this and this week we're buying rising sun but didn't you hear? It's not historically accurate. I know, but you know, <laughs> I like the game. So, so, but, but apart from that, you kind of helped grow the collection. Then, did that kind of inspire you? And and did they? I take it that must have got Riley into kind of board gaming as well. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. He, was, he was playing small world with us. He was very, uh, you know, he would be very energetic and mm-hmm. sort of hard to focus on things. Even with our, our lessons, I had to adjust my thinking that just because he's kind of all over the place, he's not not listening. He's definitely yeah. hearing. I would say, okay, did you hear what I said? And he could he could tell me what I said, and he was understanding yeah. it. Or he yeah. would the next day repeat what he what I'd been saying. It's like, okay, I've got to realize that just because he's kind of so energetic. But he, with board games, he mm. would sit and focus. Like he would just get really into it. They were a way to focus his mind, and yeah, he just, he just loved it. So uh, that's why it was such a great excuse, is because it was a way that I could get him engaged in something. So we did King Domino, what to do the mm-hmm. math at the end and talk about yeah. order of operations and and you know m- multiplying before you add uh, and stuff. So it was it was great. Like King Domino is a great excuse to do some math. Um, and maybe that's why he loved math is because he did it with games mostly. Pokemon was great, counting by tens and figuring out damage and encouraging kids to read. Um, so Pokemon is it not like direct great. application though? I mean, the issue that I mean, you mentioned you mentioned trigonometry, and for oh, me, it was ask, negative numbers. Quiz me, are you? No, yeah, <laughs> don't quiz I, me. Uh, no, no, <laughs> but no, you mentioned trigonometry, but I mean, my issue with I was I had the flu for like a week and a half in high school and I missed the week where they started introducing negative numbers and as far as maths was going that was the wall that I was just unable to climb I just couldn't I missed the introduction and I just walked back in and everybody's doing negative numbers and I had no kind of idea but when you're talking about kind of like trigonometry it's the application of the idea now I could teach I could t- I could um I could like giving King Domino as a perfect perfect example, right? I could do kind of multiple. I could do multiplication tables with with kids and still have them kind of not get it. But if I represent it in the King Domino board and say, right, okay, here's the minds. Okay, you've got four spaces of the minds. You've got you know you four spaces of the minds. You've got like a total of seven stars for the minds. They're just like going, oh, it's. 28 or <laughs> just rattling it off kind of straight away because they can mm-hmm. see the kind of the direct application of that and I'm just wondering when it comes to things like certain things like math because math is a very very practical thing mm-hmm. and the only example I know about in English in terms of um, and you mentioned this already Shakespeare is I think the reason that people think Shakespeare is boring is because they get the kids to read it instead of acting it out yes, yes. which is why a lot of kids find Shakespeare absolutely dreadful but it there, wasn't and then, meant to be read. It was meant to it be wasn't. on stage. <laughs> so it's, it's well, you, much better. You, you remember Actually. Leonard DiCaprio doing his Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. And how popular was that <laughs> film? And, you know, it's like, oh, it's Shakespeare, kind of um, Shakespeare kind of. But it wasn't because it was Shakespeare. Because if you just, you're still reading the same thing. It's just that the fact that you're seeing... You know, you're seeing Mercutio kind of getting stabbed or whatever, and he's shouting at them, you know, a plague Mm -hmm. on both your houses. And all of a sudden you realise that this is, he's literally screaming at them like, I hope you all kind of suffer a terrible fate because I have been caught in the middle of this family, Mm -hmm. these families warring, and I am suffering because of it. And all of a sudden it makes sense. But if you get some 14-year-old kind of reading it going, a plague 
on both your houses, <laughs> then folk are just like, this is dull and rubbish. But I'm yeah, talking like yeah. mass practical applications. I can see that being a brilliant thing, bringing King Domino in and saying, right, this is how we do multiplications because mm-hmm. kids get it and they kind, of, they kind of understand it. So with you playing all these games and building up this collection... Was that when you started kind of like saying, well, actually, maybe there's a couple of ideas that I can kind of float around with myself? Uh, not quite. It was very specific. It was, um, All right. we, we were going to go to the Denver Symphony. Uh, mm-hmm. They had open, because that's when we lived in Colorado, and I, they had open rehearsal for educational purposes, and they would allow homeschoolers to come in and, and listen. And so I looked for a game to mm. reinforce learning about classical music. Yeah. And I found nothing at the time. Wow. I couldn't find anything. And I said, well, there should be. There should be a game for this. There should be a game for every subject we go over. Just to find my board game collection Exactly. Not that our collection is huge, but yeah, with justifying um, at least playing, if not uh, buying more games. But uh, I worked in FLGS, so I had opportunity to play a lot of games from our library and stuff, too. I didn't have to buy everything. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing that we could even get in stock for me to buy. So I said there should be. And then um, I started thinking about the patronage system, how how musicians in the in this era were... Uh, beholden to the nobility and there was sort of that tension and I thought oh this could be an interesting element to sort of build up a game around and I really loved um, Splendor and Century Spice Road and so the cards in the market and so that's where I started I went well let's just take a crack you know let's see what happens if I can make something and um, and here we are I just got sucked into it I love it the the creativity of it. I love applying all of those things I've learned and enjoyed in all of these games for all of these decades. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I mean, you're saying that, but you're kind of like, you've put together something that kind of includes engine building, it's got mm-hmm. interaction, there's resource management, there's card yep. drafting. I mean, this isn't, you know, you're saying, oh, well, I didn't have an awful lot of ideas. I just, this is my first idea and this is what we're doing. And I mean, these are these are all mechanics that you know certain other designers that they would have engine building as their main thing they wouldn't have you know they go engine building right this is the game is based around engine building they then wouldn't you know a lot of um and it's kind of strange because i'm going to bring back shem into but for some of the um some of the games that they've made um you know it's play the player interaction isn't you know the player interaction kind of isn't always as big as it could be mm-hmm. so you're talking about kind of bringing that in so you can have an engine building game where the player interaction kind of isn't isn't kind of there but is that because when you were designing it you're designing it so your son's going to play it and there's no point in you sitting down there playing a game with them if you're just going to be working on your own little tableau and there's not any kind of way of you kind of communicating back and forward how things would work and stuff like that. Well, that's an interesting question because I, I don't think I consciously thought about that, but I definitely mm. was designing with playing with him in mind. Um, mm-hmm. And then largely uh, at the start, obviously, since it was the subject that inspired me to design, I really 
I'm always, and I, as a gamer, I really enjoy integrating the theme. And so for mm-hmm. me, music is, while composing might be a singular art form and just that composer with their work, almost like a visual artist, it's them with their work. Um, like theater, it's also uh, with the audience, right? So the theme and the feeling of music and the um, uh, going and listening to music, and that's what we were going to do, was such an important part of the theme to me. So that mm. drove it as well, was making sure that people were engaging together like going, like you would going to listen to the music. Um, uh, so yeah, it was, it was, for me consciously, it was more thematically driven, but you're absolutely hitting on something interesting that I kept thinking of what he enjoyed and what we could do together. And, and strangely enough, as I've play tested it and stuff, boys and young men love the combos and the, and the, and the mm. chaining your actions and, and building up the engine like that, which has been interesting. I thought, are teen boys my market? How did I do that? Because he's a teenager now. So <laughs> it's like, did I do that by accident or was it subconscious, right? The, that he was definitely um, the, the driving force behind the design. So I think really I think the combo things come back to like anybody that's played Magic the Gathering and stuff like that. Any kind of card games as well. You're used to kind of going, you know, I play this card, this card, this card. Aha, then I play this card, this card. And this allows me to play 52 cards. And then I minus yeah. 51 cards. And then I play this card and this destroys your house. And I'm going to set your house on fire. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. And then kind of walk off into the sunset yeah. alone. I did. Again. I did playing magic we didn't cover it in my history because like there's just so many years to cover but but um i did play magic the gathering when it first came out um Mm -hmm. and then and then stopped because i couldn't afford to um you know (laughs) at that time where you had to get the how what was it the power nine or whatever you had to like it was it was too it just became a uh, an very expensive hobby for me very quickly and um so I stopped for a yeah, long time, but then I played again when yeah. I got to the fam- friendly local game store in Colorado and worked there for, I was also working there. Um, in addition to homeschooling my son, I was working at a friendly local game store. So I, I was able, like I said, able to get things from the mm. library and play magic. And again, and, um, I ran the dice masters group, which I still adore dice masters. Um, <sighs> dice masters was so was so so good but then i was playing it but then i couldn't find other really people that were really at that kind of interested in playing it yeah so it kind of then i ended up um giving it away to somebody because i thought i can't i can't charge you for this i can't ask you for money for this because there was just a lot of stuff that was there and i ended up kind of like went okay you i'm going to send this to you because um I'm just not going to, I'm never going to get it to the table. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things is like, um, I I kind of end up being a kind of a bit of, somebody says, oh, I'd really like to play that game. And I've got it in my collection and I know I'm not likely to get it to the table again, or it's not in my, I guess, killer darlings, if you know what I mean. It's not the ones Mm -hmm. that I just definitely want to keep. Yeah. I'd rather it go to somebody else and they can have it in their collection and I know that they're definitely going to kind of play it, you know, especially because yeah. I've a review games as well. I've kind of got a, I've kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like I'm quite happy. If somebody says, oh, I re- I, I've played this game, I'd love to get a copy of it and they've not got it, then I'd love to kind of kind of send it to them. Um, Going back to Ovation. Yeah. Eventually. 
I'm doing a terrible what? job of selling it, aren't I? <laughs> uh, what? No, I'm just, I'm dera- I'm like literally, I'm like um, kind of Bugs Bunny re- continually putting things on the railway tracks and you're just like going, will you stop? No, but no. what? Do you, rem- <laughs> do you remember the point where, um, do you remember the point where it wasn't you but somebody else kind of said, this is, um, this has got real legs. This is, this is going somewhere. This is this is really kind of good and solid, and I enjoy playing it. Do you remember we, you know, when that kind of happened? Yeah, the, there was right before the um, we left um, the states. I went to the twenty nineteen um, Pax Unplugged and pitched it in its state then to a couple of people and. There were they were positive and, and encouraging, which was great. Um, but there was something that Eric Alvarado from Talent Strike Studios said, which was, "You're missing something with inspiration." I think there's it was just a single resource at the time, and um, mm-hmm. and I had money as well. And that uh, when he said, you know, the, the inspiration and music has different sorts of um, feelings and different different sorts of inspiration. There's different kinds of things that you can be inspired by, and the music can sound different because of it. And, and that blew something wide open with the game and changed it gr- greatly, but in a really wonderful thematic way that I was really happy with because I knew something was missing. So mm-hmm. we moved to New Zealand and then the whole world shut down. <laughs> it, was, it was February of 2020. <laughs> it's kind of good timing though, really. I mean, to be it honest, because I, mm-hmm. I know that you've, New Zealand decided to kind of take things quite seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, and I'm glad we did, but I'm even more glad that I made it in in before that, that all happened because it was yeah. it was my kids were in school for six days, and then the whole wow. world shut down. Yeah, it was really quick. So it was going online um, and playtesting online. It, the the good thing for me, having come to New Zealand so far from um, the communities I did know was that that drove everybody online. And so there were a lot of people, some I knew and some were new to me, uh, mm-hmm. and we were all in these online spaces playtesting. Um, so my old brain had to learn te- new technology <laughs> and get it into um, uh, platforms that could be played digitally and mm-hmm. get online with uh, my friend Heather from Colorado started Protospiel online and wow. said, said, hey, you're in a different time zone now, and I want to go 24 hours a day for the three days of the convention. Would you be willing to moderate for some of those late-night North America hours? And I said, absolutely. Of course I would. Um, Am I qualified to moderate? (laughs) Because I was so green um, at the time. I I still feel like I am, but uh, but I was so brand new. And she said, absolutely, of course. You're, You're friendly and you're welcoming and that's what we want. And and uh, the tech will come and don't worry about it. And um, so, yeah, I started playing in Protospiel online. And that was the first place where other designers said, I love this. Um, you know, they knew it wasn't done, but and could provide constructive feedback. But there was mm-hmm. there was definitely the positive uh, response and reinforcement. And hey, this has legs. And uh, so that was fantastic. That was that was what I remember was Protospiel online was the first time getting the um Please make this a thing, <laughs> so I can have it. Yeah. With you, um, with you, then kind of developing kind of like the online relationships when things started to open up again. Was it almost like you were kind of then 
meeting people for the first time but in real life. I mean, I'm guessing that there must be at least one kind of game group kind of near you where you are now. So were you able to kind of organise that and people that you'd only met in on kind of, people that you'd only met kind of online, you're now kind of meeting in the flesh instead, which would have been quite strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was kind of interesting because there is there is one small New Zealand online playtest group. Um, and for a long time, it was just me and my buddy Kai. Kai um, is great. He's got a game um, that he's gotten signed. Um, mm. And it's just it's really a kind and talented human. And we'd only met online. And so our world opened up before everybody else's because New Zealand took it so seriously. So we were able to have the Game Artisans of New Zealand yeah. uh, is a group here that has um, an in-person retreat. Mm -hmm. ideally once a year but of course the pandemic has made that a little bit erratic <laughs> yeah but yeah. but um that's got scheduled and kai lives on the south island i'm on the north island and the event was on the north island so he was flying up to it and we for that retreat we bring our own food along and i said you're coming up from christchurch i don't and you're on a plane I, how are you going to do food can i help you with food um <laughs> i can i can get us food and, and cook some stuff if i cook stuff it's too much for me anyway mm -hmm, and he's mm -hmm. like that'd be great so i met kai picking him up from the airport <laughs> wow and on our way to a retreat and feeding him exactly you smell like that you're the best you pick me up from the airport you feed me and you're taking me to a board game convention <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, what more could you want? You know, I mean, you're just like, you know, I'm in my happy place now. I've just had some chow and now we're going to go muck about with some kind of like cardboard. Um, <laughs> well, it's wild because the next time we just did another one and it, there was there were some terrible uh, storms and they closed off where we normally have the retreat and we were about to go to the retreat. And everything had to change and get to a new location and not everybody could go. So it was kind of the retreat, but not the retreat. And there were less mm -hmm. spaces. Uh, and so I missed out on a space for the reschedule of the retreat or the move of the retreat. And, and mm -hmm. Kai was my champion with that. He was like, you're not missing out. I was like, is my lasagna that good? Um <laughs> <laughs> Must be some he's, good lasagna. He's, he's my buddy, though, and he's so he he went to these extra lengths, and so did Andy, who coordinated that um, alternate mm -hmm. plan, and uh, so did my friend Rich, who runs the group. Like they all kind of put their heads together and got a a, a place in a um, a bed in the local um, backpackers, uh, so that I could stay there, a hostel kind of thing, so I could stay there and and drive into the retreat and still be there with everybody <laughs> but that was that was my buddy kai who led the charge going you're not missing out i don't want you to miss out so um yeah it, it was great to actually meet people and that's where i first met shem and bobby yeah. hill who at the yeah. time bobby was on the hotness list with hadrian's wall and and you wouldn't know that they were who they are <laughs> from walking into the room and sitting and chatting with them they were just you know fellow designers and encouraging and supportive and just amazing i super bonded with bobby because we're in a similar age bracket and we both have boys the same age <laughs> he gets my references more than anybody he's, else <laughs> gonna, he's like he's a brachiosaur and i'm a t-rex and so 
we were just like, able to like my kids <laughs> we were just <laughs> able to bond right exactly <laughs> yeah that's what my kids say one day one day your blood's gonna be found in a mosquito and they're gonna reproduce you and I says yeah and then i'll take the island yeah and then you'll right. be running and screaming that's right young man um <laughs> clawing it back as only a t-rex can I saw, a car- just as a quick aside, I saw a cartoon the other day where there's like, there's a, there's like, basically there's a pterodactyl kind of lecturing all these dinosaur students <laughs> and saying, right, this is a really, really hard part of the course. Has anybody got any questions? And there's a T-Rex at the back crying his eyes out because he's trying to raise his hand and nobody can tell that he's actually, you know, and it's just, nobody can tell he's raised his hand, which is just like the best cartoon I've seen in a long time. Um... If I if I want to know what happens in a round of ovation, how do I know what happens in a round of ovation? And can you give me what would happen yeah. in words, please? Yeah. <laughs> I've no more, no more than two syllables. <laughs> okay, no more than two syllables. Like a sonnet. Oh, I want iambic pendamitos here. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I, I want. Do I don't know what I that is. It sounds like a type of bike. I'm <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of that? That looks like a 15 gear iambic pentameter. <laughs> what does it do? It goes up and down hills. Um, up and down is pretty good analogy. Yeah, you don't even need to pedal. Right, talk okay. about... <laughs> please, come on. Talk about evasion. Talk about evasion. Yeah, because um, otherwise you'll need, an, we'll need to stop. You'll need to stop for coffee and I'll need to go for a sleep. Like, <laughs> that'll yes, be a long... Well, I'm like a granddad. I mean, I'm like a budgie. You put a blanket over me and I'm out. You know, you'll be talking to yourself and you'll use up all my recording time. Oh, Evasion, no. please. Yes. <laughs> so, so on your turn, you're going to choose one of four different actions. You can choose any one of the four each turn. One of them is going to get you your resources, which is inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, your inspiration is in three types. You have passion, joy, and sorrow. Passion mm-hmm. is a red flame and joy is a little yellow flower and sorrow is a blue teardrop. So you're going to raise up your inspiration um, and then inspiration is the resource you use to spend for all the cards um, that are out there. Some of them are seeking your fortune, which is going to build up your engine. You can get patrons, as I mentioned, there's the patronage system. Patrons will either help build up your engine a little bit or they give you bonus points at the end of the game. But patrons were notoriously fickle. So part of the difficulty with patrons is they'll give you bonus points for certain types of music at the end of the game, but they'll give you negative points for other types of music at the end of the game because they don't like that at all. So so you have to kind of balance to please your patrons. Um, And then the last thing you can do is to perform, which is the biggie. That's where you're going to get music cards and perform your music and um, you get more opportunities. Your engine, firing off your engine is a little bit limited. You have to perform in order to get more music notes to be able to fire off your bonuses. Um, but the, my favorite part of the game is when you perform a piece of music, the people to your left and right can come attend your performance and right. they, they give you a little something. They give you a ticket, which is half a point or mm-hmm. half an inspiration, but you get inspired by the music that they perform. So whatever that music sounds like, whether it's happy or sad or passionate you will get some of that inspiration from listening to their performance and that's always the most fun part for me to watch as a 
designers <laughs> uh, when when they played it at GAMS at Game Artisans of New Zealand and and uh, one person was yelling because they couldn't go to the performance they're like boo I can't go because I'm too far away and then and then Shem's doing a golf clap and you know they're all just getting into it it was so much fun to watch and and enjoy um, and it's it's always my favorite part people perform and then there's public goals that you're competing for so sometimes you get that was one of my favorite moments playing with Dan Hughes was when I nabbed a card and I guess he didn't notice on my turn because he was planning his next turn and he looked up and said where's that card I was gonna <gasps> you took it you swine <laughs> <laughs> and, and that will always be one of my favorite moments too That's so there's amazing. a little bit of that kind of um, any as well. any time where you manage to upset Dan Hughes <laughs> is a good day <laughs> is a very very good day well, he did enjoy the game, even though he called me a swine, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> he did know so that. I think um, I heard him talking about it on his um, on his little pod, his little tiny podcast that he's got, <laughs> which we always need to encourage people to listen to because you know he needs all the support he can get with his little tiny podcast. It just happens to be him and one of the members of the Dice Tower on it, <laughs> so he always needs support. So if you're listening, it's sporadically bored. Go and listen to Dan. Um, it's actually a free podcast, though he, that's only because he would like to charge at some point. But it's it's quite. And he does talk about he does talk about ovation, kind of on it. Um, in terms of price of entry, how much is it to get your ticket into the auditorium so you can sit down and have a listen at the music that been maketh? You don't. In, in the game, you don't have to pay for that, that card. You just draw it off the I'm deck and hand it to someone. Talking them. about the campaign. Oh, the campaign! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Back to the campaign. Yeah, the money. Yeah, the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just thought you just turned up. So you're, you're talking mechanics, and then I'm going, like, no. <laughs> no. Kickstarter like, money. How do we? Oh, Kickstarter money. Well, Kickstarter it's $70, money. $75 New Zealand, which um, I don't know what that is. Nobody and... knows. Right, okay, I'll tell you, right, because I've got <laughs> it here. I've got it right. I've got it right US. here, okay. It is, okay. 75 New Zealand dollars is, and this is the joke that everybody has, like we used to talk about kind of like video games, and it's like, how much is a new video game? It's about £49. How much is that in New Zealand dollars? $75,000. Um, $75 <laughs> New Zealand dollars is about £37. So that means it's probably about $42. And that's for the that's for the physical copy of Evasion and all the unlocked corresponding stretch goals. Um, you can buy two copies of Ovation, which means I don't know if that means you stand up twice. Or is that moving into curtain call territory? Why didn't you call it the curtain call? Or the encore. Or the encore. There you go. Messed up. I know you can still go back and change it, or you've got the ovation. <laughs> the ovation. The ovation. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, you know, it's a mistake that you'll be able to correct for the next time you you know do another campaign on the reprint. You know, um, the ovation patron, which has become part of the game. You'll send an image that will be used by our amazing artist Zubbles to create a character art for one of the patron cards. Yes, that one sold out though. It is sold out, so you can't get that. So you're too late. Useless people. Uh, and <laughs> no. and then you can contact them. As a, but you can do your kind of print and play and you can also just follow along, which doesn't make any sense because it says it's two New Zealand dollars, which is worth about a pound. But it's not. Two New Zealand dollars is worth about an apple, an orange and half an egg, as we know. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> well, you know, it, it is an art form, so starving artists, they'll take, I'll take the apple they'll take and food. half an egg. They'll take food. <laughs> Are you... When it went through and when it started funding... Yeah. Were you kind of like, oh my goodness, were you like Sally Fielding at the Oscars? <laughs> I was a little... I've actually thought of her. <laughs> that you would reference that. <laughs> and for have... everybody else is there. This is like this is like we're like two people in a nursing home. And <laughs> reminiscing about Asian And you know, Burt Reynolds has come on with Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> you know, and we're sitting there and you know, Sally Fields there in her hot pants um after she's escaped from the wedding and we're going, Do you remember our Oscar speech? And the Oscar speech was Sally Field won an Oscar, and I can't remember what what film it was for. But she it went, was "You not like for Smokey and the Bandit?" It was not for Smokey and the Bandit, because let's face it, the only In thing that was kind of like the only thing that deserved a, an award on that was like Burt Reynolds' mustache, and certainly not his hairline, because that had gone. That's why he wore a cowboy hat, because if he'd been driving along in that fast car, that hair would have left the building. Um, but she got up on the Oscar and she grabbed her Oscar and went, you like me, you really, really like me. Because she was genuinely, I don't know, she was genuinely surprised. I don't know if they kind of made them aware of who was winning the Oscar. But my thing to you is when, when Ovation funded, were you kind of like, oh, was it a surprise? or were you? Because you've got, I mean, looking at the kind of the coverage that you've had, and I know everybody's a bit eeksy-peeksy about kind of Kickstarter coverage. I mean, you would never put up a kind of a... But you had the quote from Shem there, as I said earlier on. You've got the quote from Dan, which, okay, you know, but you you have got kind of like... You've got three... You've got Jared from Three Minute uh, Board Games putting on that. You've got um, um, Ilya. You've got, you know, you've got a few kind of good names kind of really saying that they like it so when it funded when it funded obviously pretty quickly as well were you like kind of oh this is nice oh definitely definitely i i had so much anxiety about it um before because you just don't know and i'm a first-time creator and mm-hmm. um and i had a, a number of followers that i had i think 600 and following the following the preview page and hmm. um conventional wisdom says that wasn't enough to fund in the first two days um and i know it's a struggle if you don't and so they're just all of that all of that ball of energy and, and worry and stress and then um and then to watch the numbers tick up i didn't religiously watch it because dan had even said don't just sit and refresh refresh you'll make yourself no. crazy yeah. so so i didn't but um but but then it was funny because my family would walk in and go, "What are we at now?" <laughs> I'm trying to stay away from it, guys. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> um, because they, were, I mean, they've been watching me <clears throat> on this for so long, and so they're invested yeah. too. So, um, and especially my son, right? <laughs> because he knows he was so much a part of the even doing this. So, uh, so yeah, there was a lot of um, worry, and then it was funny because I had my phone blew up. Everything blew up when it funded. With people yeah. saying congratulations it's funded and and i couldn't own it still it was very strange i said um to one friend i said you ever plan a trip and you get all you know you're going to go to these cool places and you decide where you're going to go and how you're going to get there and you have all of this stuff laid out but it's still just sort of not real because you haven't gone yet and it's just 
gosh, am I really going to get to do all these cool things? And then you're on the plane and you're like, oh, I think I'm, I think the, it's going to finally be real. And then the plane takes off. It's like, oh, I'm on vacation. I made it. I, I'm going to do all that cool <laughs> stuff. And I was like, I was waiting for the plane to take off. It still hadn't, I still couldn't quite own it. I kept saying, if, if we end, even if we end up funding by the end of it, if, if we're, if we're going to be able to do this, even though yeah. I'd fund it, people were going, what do you mean if at this point? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to jinx it. <laughs> so, so it took a while to go, oh, this is a thing where oh, it gets to be real. My dream gets to be real. So yeah, as I mean, as kind of like, I think this is cool. And then it's like, oh, other people think it's cool as well. And yeah. not only that, other people are quite willing to to give me must give me some money. Yeah, it's not just my um, mom, and my dad. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Then, it's not just the money laundering scheme that I've managed to <laughs> that I've managed to put through when we moved to New Zealand, and I had to get rid of all those dollars. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, it's kind of no. It's 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 kind of it's 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 kind of very very it's very 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 kind of cool. Um, if people have listened along tonight, and they've probably went, okay. Um, <laughs> what are these dinosaurs talking about? <laughs> I like you get over response. it. I mean, do you know, I mean, just turn us back towards the light and put the telly on. You know. <laughs> Across <clears throat> on Golden Ponds coming on in half an hour. You know, you can set oh, me up. I'll be fine. It's that's <laughs> not. It's just that's not true. Um, but, but cocoon that, might be. That's perfect. That's, that would be that's, about aging. It's very sad. It's very. It it's like that. It's either that or Steel Magnolia, and I just oh don't know goodness. if I could. I just don't know that's, if I could deal with Daryl Hannah dying again. I mean, <laughs> just to be perfectly honest. Um, no. But if people have listened along tonight. <laughs> Spoilers. Anyway. Oh, come on. It's like years joking, old. It's like, it's like literally like years old. People have listened along tonight and they're like, okay, I, I need to I need to get more of this in my life. Where do they find you on the internet webs? Uh, I'm at Looking Glass Workshop, which in most places is Looking Glass WS. So at mm. Looking Glass WS on most of the places or LookingGlassWorkshop.com. Is where you can find the website, um, and then of course, uh, actually, ovationboardgame.com will help will let you link to the Kickstarter, or of course, finding this on Kickstarter, you can message me. Right, it's still live. Um, I think when this goes goes up, so um, definitely. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be live. The seven days. There's seven. Are you going to have like a pledge manager afterwards? Then have you looked at kind of doing that? I have been looking at doing that, so I, I think so. <laughs> I'm yeah. still. I'm still trying to figure that bit out there's so much to learn and figure out along the way but mm. um but thank thankfully i have such phenomenal uh resources and mentors like uh like shim um, mm. i think it yeah. becomes part of the natural process now that um i know that um like in speaking to you know and speaking to a lot of creators now is that yes the campaign is one of the parts where you make money but i do know of people who um who have continued to kind of generate additional income by having a pledge manager at the background and let it run for kind of like a couple of months. They've got the base level. They know the number of copies they need to kind of produce, but then they have the pledge manager to just act for kind of little extras that they want to add in as well. And people kind of up their, you know, up their support and stuff like that. Um, that's yeah, cool. We do yeah. Have I mean, time that we need to get that art done. We have those uh, 10 uh, patrons, 
from the the backers and then we have some yeah. more patrons to do so we have some art to get done so we'll have time after the you campaign. will have time yeah you will have yeah. time and what we'll do is we'll make sure that we put all the links in the show notes so that we have got notes to show and if you want to keep an eye on what we we're up to and i'm in a nostalgia trip at the moment so there you go uh you'll find us in all the different kind of places um out there and uh we put our reviews on our blog, which is we're not wizards tabletop.com. We've got our website for our podcast, which is we're not wizards.com as well. Uh, we do have our reviews on um, BGG because we do written reviews as well as this podcast. And you can follow us on all the normal different social medias, all the different places that they have social medias now. Yeah, you will find us. Um, if you've been listening along tonight and you like, what you've listened to and you'd like to support the show tell other people about it that's always a good thing and the other thing you can do is on your podcast catcher of choice leave us a rating or a review um especially things like spotify apparently have them so it would be wonderful go on there give us a rating and review if you are going to be giving us a rating or review don't give us 10 stars because my head does not need to be any bigger it's shiny enough before i started recording i had to turn the lights down because otherwise i would have blinded Kirsten here with the light that was shining off my head. It's like having a lighthouse. They're going to put me near the beach to stop the ships crashing into the rocks. Um, But don't give us one star because that will make us cry. Give us something in the middle like a five because it's average. I'm just a little bit average, but the person who's not been average is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic. And I would stand up and give a standing ovation, but... um, I'm not gonna. Uh, it's <laughs> it's Kirsten Lund. Thank you very very much for guesting. Thank you very very much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Um, I've only got a couple more questions. The first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Kirsten? We're not wizards. There you go. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Kirsten. Say goodbye, Kirsten. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful, and um, just give yourself a little bit of a treat and give yourself a little bit of an ovation. But until the next time, goodbye. Wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.